Welcome to Jumping Around, a steeplechase podcast from thisishorseracing.com. I'm Joe Clancy, and we'll bring you some conversations with guests who take part in American steeplechasing. There'll be owners, trainers, jockeys, race meet directors, historians, anyone we can convince to sit down for a few minutes and talk jump racing. He listens to podcasts about racing, sports, politics, anything else that comes along. You can read more at thisishorseracing.com, our online home, and the successor to our newspaper, Steeplechase Times, was published from 1994 through 2012. Our guest today on Jumping Around is Joe Davies. He's a trainer, a former amateur jockey, a lifelong horseman, and trains 2016 Maryland Hunt Cup winner, Senior Senator. That 2016 victory makes him the favorite for the 2017 race, which will be run for the 121st time Saturday, April 29th. We'll learn a little bit more about what makes Senior Senator tick, and believe me, he ticks, and get to know Joe a little bit better in the process. Long before Senior Senator, Joe won the Hunt Cup aboard Florida Law in 1998, did it again two years later on Sueo. Five years after that, Joe added a third Hunt Cup victory as a jockey aboard Make Me a Champ. Joe and his wife, herself a Hunt Cup winner and former champion jump jockey, live in Moncton, Maryland with their children, Teddy and Scarlett, and a host of four-legged creatures. Hi, Joe. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Joe. Great to be here. Uh, We're going to sort of go back in time a little bit. You're a Marylander. You've obviously got a long association with the Maryland Hunt Cup. And uh, what makes that race so special to somebody who might not know or even some people who know the race but don't sort of get the feel for it? Well, I grew up uh, as long as I can remember. My parents would uh, take us to the Maryland Hunt Cup on the last Saturday of April. And it was always a thrill to walk up to those fences before the race and uh, see how huge they were and then to marvel at the spectacle of 10 or 12 or 15 horses galloping around over that four-mile course. Yeah, and the, it goes back. It's America's oldest jump race. So obviously there's so much history there and, and anybody can kind of appreciate that. Do you remember the first one you went to? I think I was probably about six years old. That would have been 1968. I don't remember who won, but it was impressionable. We're going to have to dive into the history books and find that. But but yeah, I think anybody in steeplechasing can kind of go back and mark time by when they were there or when they were. I remember the, I think 74 was the first one I went to and uh, Patty Nelson and Burmack won and just these little markers of where were you. And you might have missed some along the way, but the Hunt Cup is always there to people who, whether you've been to one or you've been to 50. I don't think I've missed any, but I know what you mean. Yeah, that was pretty cool. So we're going to jump up to your horse, Senior Senator. And, you know, he's um, obviously got a ways to go before people start putting him in the same breath as some of the Hunt Cup legends that have come before him. But his race last year certainly makes people uh, include him in some, certainly the best timber horses in training now. And obviously a younger Maryland Hunt Cup type horse. He won it at six, which is somewhat unheard of. And uh, you guys came to get him. Uh, a little bit of a little bit different way. Going to Penn National and claiming a, a Hunt Cup winner isn't necessarily the way most people would do it. Well, my wife uh, loves watching races on the internet, and she's always looking for a horse that's a good athlete and a fast closer. But you have to remember that when you look on the internet, a video, they're only, uh, you know, probably less than an inch tall uh, on the screen. So it's always a gamble. And that particular night, we went up to Penn National and uh, it was a cold night and it was about 9.30 and they only give you 10 minutes to look at the horse and make a decision if you want to drop the claim slip and take a chance on buying them. So we were deliberating. He was a big rangy looking thing and he, he was a little bit fractious in the paddock, but not terrible. And so we took a chance. We didn't want to come home with an empty trailer after wasting a good Saturday night. And uh, we dropped the slip and then walked over to a TV monitor to watch what would happen. Yeah, and his trainer, Flint Stites, who's won, uh, had to do a little looking, he's won almost 2,000 flat races. So he's a guy who, you know, can get horses to win. Senior Senator at that point had not won and uh, wound up sort of next to him watching television whether he wanted to or not. 
Well, yeah, my wife and I looked a little bit like the Beverly Hillbillies there at Penn <laughs> National. We were um, out of place. We had a halter and a shank, which is indicative that you might be claiming a horse. And um, Flint Stites, who's a notable trainer up there, obviously picked us out and walked over and tapped me on the shoulder. And he said, uh, excuse me, uh, you two didn't just uh, drop a claim slip on my horse senior senator, did you? And I looked over at him and, you know, it was a little bit of a tense situation because you're never knowing whether the trainer is going to be angry that you took the horse, even though they're in for a claiming price. And so I said, yeah, in fact, we did drop the slip. And he looked at me straight in the eye and he said, I just want you to know I've been training horses for 30 years and I've never trained a crazier son of a gun than this horse. <laughs> and, and I'm just saying this. And, and you could tell by the look in his eye that he wasn't trying to bluff. He, he was serious. And he said, I just, I just want to make sure you don't get hurt. So at that moment, we looked up at the screen and they're going to the post parade right behind the starting gate. And senior senator leapt straight up in the air uh, and landed with his head between his legs. And the jockey went flying over his head. And uh, we were just horrified and, and realizing what a dangerous horse this could be. And, and Flint looked over and said, well, the only good news is the horse took off. The only good news is if they don't catch him, the claim will be void and you won't own him. So at that point, we were cheering for them not to catch him. Um, unfortunately, the outriders grabbed him pretty quickly and uh, they loaded him back up in the gate. The rider did not get on him until he was secure in the gate and uh, it went from there. And he'd kind of done that before, so the outriders were probably, they were ready. Yeah, they <laughs> knew him at Penn National and uh, every time he'd run, he would had always done this, which did not appear when my wife saw it on the film. So this was all new information. No, no, they us. edit that stuff out. They, they, yeah. Yeah, they don't want you to see that. <laughs> so, yeah, he went ahead and he was, he was second that night. He closed fast and so Flint came over to us. We were going to collect him. And he said, you know, hey, that, that horse, he ran pretty well. Maybe my owner will, you know, maybe he'll buy him back from you. And I looked at him and said, well, geez, we'd even take a discount if you, if you thought you liked him. And uh, he made a phone call and said, shook his head and said, I'm sorry, he's your horse. So we took him home. And uh, so start at the beginning. What was his first morning like on the farm? Well, I think he liked being at the farm. Penn National has is near a proving ground and there's like an arsenal over the hill where they're constantly sending off ordnance and it's very loud, these thundering booms. And I think that was disturbing to him. So we thought, well, shoot, we got him on the farm and turned him in a small paddock and then a bigger one. And he seemed pretty darn happy. So we thought, well, boy, we'll figure this horse out. No problem. <laughs> and you, uh, you ran him yourself on the flat a couple of times. Was that sort of in the cards from the beginning or was that more him telling you, you might want to do that instead? Well, we thought we'd just, um, you know, be easy money if we just took him to the races and maybe he was second a couple of times and we'd just win a race. And and uh, it turned out not to be so easy. Um, the first time we took him to Breeze at Laurel, he uh, he jumped over the partition of the trailer and they had a whole crew from Laurel Racetrack coming out with the jaws of life to try and free him from the trailer. And a vet basically declared that he was worthy of putting down because he had sliced his whole, almost sliced his hind leg off being hung in the partition of the trailer. That was our first work. And it got worse from there. Adventures with racehorses. Uh, <laughs> uh, obviously, he's got a little bit of his mind of his own. What is he like, I mean, around the barn and even those early days? Was he a nice horse other than when you tried to do anything with him? Uh, he's actually uh, very sweet in, in and around the stable. Um, and he's pretty nice to be around. But when you ride him, he has you know, kind of a mind of his own. And, and it just took us a while to figure out. Um, I don't think we changed him much. We just figured out what would work for him. So we sort of adapted our lives to his preferences. And now he's 
if we if we train him in certain areas, certain fields, and if if he gets fractious one day, this wonderful girl Ashton Williams at Rides Force, she'll just take off and and go gallop and jump fences. And if he sees a fence, that just sort of settles him. Yeah, you said that last year. His favorite thing is to jump fences, and was that immediate? Was that a natural thing for him? It it was. I mean, my wife was the first one to start riding him regularly, and from the first minute he left the ground to jump a log in the woods, she smiled and said, "Like this horse is special." Wow, that's pretty cool. And 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 it, I love to hear or find horses like that who found what he's good at, you know. And maybe it wouldn't have happened if you didn't go to Penn National that night. Definitely not. I mean, he's a rare one. We've certainly bought plenty of others that didn't work out quite so well. And uh, he's a special horse. What's a uh, what's a typical day in his life like now? He's a racehorse, obviously, and he's in training, but he probably is a little different than his life at Penn National or any other racehorse at a racetrack. It is. He, he gets turned out. He has only one field. We've experimented with all fields around the farm, and he jumps out of those. And he will get himself to this field no matter what he has to jump. And he's jumped, you know, fences as high as five feet to get to the field which is really at the top of our farm. He likes to be at the highest point. And actually, we've even, um, 60 Minutes has did a little segment, and they filmed him jumping from field to field. Sometimes Just loose by himself. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> when we want to sort of school him, we'll turn him in a field a little farther away and let him jump a couple <laughs> fences. It's much less dangerous than riding him. Uh, I got to ask, have you ridden him? Oh, yeah. Oh, I've ridden. All right, just checking. Mostly Maybe. for pictures. <laughs> But uh, some of his early, I mean, he actually has never really run a bad race over timber. Every race he's finished, he's been first or second, I think. I did go back and look a little bit. Even point to points, he's been first or second in every timber race he's finished, which he's obviously pretty good at it. Was that, you know, I'm sure he showed you stuff at the farm, but was that a surprise? Was that? Well, in fact, he was also in his only hurdle. He started over hurdles twice. That was our original goal. He was second, um, just beaten in his first hurdle start. And then the next start, uh, he ran at Fair Hill and uh, out-jumped his professional jockey. And it became pretty clear to us after he out-jumped the jockey, made a right-hand turn, jumped into the stands, and was running through the crowd um, that no other professional jockey would sit on him. So that's why we decided to convert him to timber where we could get a a braver young amateur. And that is Eric Peretz. And uh, how do they? How does Eric fit in? And even you mentioned Blythe, you mentioned Ashton. Obviously, there's a lot of people in this horse's life who have helped him get from where he was to where he is now. What do they mean? You know, start with Eric, I guess. How does he? How does he fit in with senior senator? Well, Eric is a is a huge part of it. And Eric, from the beginning, had a a personality that just suited this horse. Uh, Eric was a little bit of a. Um, oh, geez, I don't want to use the got to think of the right word here, but Eric was a little bit of an outsider, uh, not a misfit like senior senator, but uh, the closest thing, and fancied himself. He, he was brave, and he's got great hands, and not the most stylish jockey maybe all the time, but he believed in this horse from the beginning, and he sort of sensed, I think, early on that the two of them were a lot better than uh, than each of them individually. And so Eric let the horse be himself. He didn't try and you know keep him tight on the rail or anything else. He just let the horse wander and and most importantly, he'd get to the start. He was uh, very, very difficult. He'd fly leap all the way down to the start whenever he ran. And Eric rides 15 horses a day at Laurel, and he's fit. Yeah, and he can put up with it probably, I guess. Yeah. And uh, the, you mentioned the start. I know when you guys ship senior senator to the race, you put the bridle or at least a headpiece of the bridle on at home. Well, the first time that he ran in a sanctioned timber race was at Pennsylvania Hut Cup, and he it's very difficult, three or four of us to tack him, and he actually... He threw his head down and hit Forrest Kelly, knocked him out in the paddock, and ran down to the start with Eric and 
put his head down between his legs and bucked Eric off on the way to the start. And uh, most jockeys would have just shooed him away. But Eric was held onto the reins and a spectator jumped the fence and threw Eric back on the horse. He galloped down to the start as a four-year-old at the Pennsylvania Hunt Cup over a very big, stiff course. He started at least 50 lengths behind the field and galloped around and won easily as a four-year-old. So that we put him away after that. Figured we had a nice horse. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you described him as a misfit. I think you're right. He uh, he was certainly just just a little different, and he's obviously remained a little different, but he's found the success, which uh, to you as a horseman, does that bring satisfaction? I mean, th- that you think it's all him or whether you think you guys had something to do with it? What's the satisfaction level with producing a horse like this? Uh, you know, I have to say that watching last year's Maryland Hunt Cup and this horse again had overcome some things. He'd had a, uh, a couple of physical problems with his, he's got very difficult feet and uh, some amazing blacksmith work uh, helped us with that. But Eric and this horse uh, winning the Maryland Hunt Cup was every bit as exciting for me as riding in the Maryland Hunt Cup. Wow. Uh, yeah. Was it nerve wracking to watch? Were there it was, moments? It was the, 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 the 15 minutes from leaving the paddock to when they actually dropped the flag at four o'clock was, I, I think, the most tense 15 minutes of my life. Uh, and then he finally got started, and it was just poetry for eight and a half or nine minutes or whatever it was. Yeah, his race, and, and Eric, and you both said it, his race was actually, while not easy, I don't think you, nothing in the Hunt Cup's easy, but it was like, even for senior senator, he seemed relaxed and at ease with it compared to some of his other races and certainly some of his uh, shenanigans before the races. It, it was, and well, once he was galloping and jumping those fences, we... You know, it was it was much more pleasant to watch than him fly leaping around before the race. And it was just a great thing to see. You know, there were a lot of great horses in the race and much more experienced uh, jockeys that were in there. And they all, you know, disregarded him. And even the announcer said, you know, as they came to the 17th, 18th, 19th fence, you know, and here comes the field and they're closing in on him. Here's the, you know, the the rank young horse that's put on a good display, but it's time for the professionals to come on and put him away. And, uh, you know, when they all got to him over the last, it looked as though, you know, again, he was going to be beaten and it would have still been a great performance. But then when he dug in and took off again with 100 yards to go, that was pretty exciting. Yeah. And I mean, a pretty fair horse looked him in the eye at the last fence. Guts for Garters has won over the course. He's placed a couple of times over the the Hunt Cup course. And it was senior senator's first go at it. And and like you just said, if he'd have finished second beating a length, he'd been, man, we're set for next year. This is great. But he dug in, which is which is neat. And it obviously showed he, he, he wants to do it. It does. And yeah, again, I think he was happier there. And I had a, a couple of people that former Maryland Hunt Cup winners, one of them might have been on a podcast earlier, who I respect a lot. And he had he had told me several days before that I was the dumbest man alive if I <laughs> ran this horse in the Maryland Hunt Cup at, at age six, that it was just the wrong thing to do. But we felt like that was the environment where he would be the most successful. He was out on his own. He loves to run and jump. Um, the Virginia Gold Cup's a wonderful race a week later, but there are 40,000 people there and crowds and, and a bunch of jockeys that would, because the fences are a little bit smaller, uh, those jockeys would be able to get to our jockey who sometimes is influenced by, by other jockeys. And at the Hunt Cup, they couldn't get to him. Yeah, and for you, it's obviously closer to home, too. I mean, a ship to Virginia with a horse like this would be a little trickier than a ship to the Hunt Cup. Yeah, it's a long, long day in, in Virginia. And again, this horse, we feel like he just loves it in Maryland. And the, if we never had to leave Maryland, except maybe a trip to England. Oh, boy. All right. <laughs> you brought it up, so we're going to have to ask, what's next? I mean, obviously, he's got he's seven coming to the Maryland Hunt Cup, so he's, he's got things to do still. But how good is he? And, you know, could a trip to England be in the cards? 
Well, I, I guess we, we don't know quite yet how good he is. We think he's pretty good, but uh, this year will certainly would tell a lot and see if it was if it was the real thing. Um, if he did it easily, like Ben Nevis in 1978 or so before he went to England, you know, we'd certainly be tempted. I mean, uh, my fa- have a young family and, and uh, it would be a great adventure. My wife and I both worked in in Lambourne, and if we could figure out a way to go over there and, and have a go, you know, at the English Grand National or some other fun race, it would sure be a, a life experience that we would covet. Yeah, that's for sure. And and the horse, again, you can kind of wait for these things, but if the horse has proven that he might be worth trying that with, then, you know, there's no better time. I also have a great friend, uh, Jimmy Duggan, who's uh, who's a former jockey and, and commentator on TVG, and Jimmy is a, a world-class expert on shipping horses, and he has assured me that he will personally accompany this horse if we ever decide to throw him on an airplane. So that gives me comfort because I wouldn't want to be on a plane with him. We might have to take the podcast remote for that, uh, just just to watch the adventure for this. But uh, uh, no, fun horse to watch. And uh, his, his owner, Skip and Vicky Crawford, have been they were pretty good sports too. From because obviously at the beginning it didn't necessarily look like this might pan out. I mean, not just good sports. I mean, they are exceptional people, amazing, and they had every reason to doubt our faith in this horse early on. He'd run a few times and he'd lost his jockey on the way to the start. And he'd, uh, The hurdle race where they, they missed their grandchild's christening to come watch senior senator run over hurdles at Fair Hill. And uh, he unseats his jockey at the third fence and jumps into the crowd. And we can barely catch him. And they brought some friends over from England who were just ridiculing them. And their best friend was sending me cartoons of monkeys on footballs and they kept a stiff upper lip the whole time, and then they said, "Are you sure we want to keep this horse around for the next three or four months to train?" And we said that we think there's a little glimmer there. We keep trying, and they they never gave up and uh, have been terrific. What do you think, Senior Senator, thinks of all this? Um, I think if you saw him and spent time with him, it's really really neat to see that. And and on Hunt Cup Day, to see a horse like him who is so unhappy and just frazzled at the racetrack and really doing anything else, this horse wants to run and jump. He wants to jump as fast as he can. He wants to go 30 miles an hour over four miles, the biggest fences that come. And it just, it relaxes him. His ears are forward. He's just the happiest that he could be. And for him to have found this race and for it to still exist at the same time that he's interested in doing it is a, is a magic thing. Yeah, it'd be fun to talk to uh, just to get his feelings on all this because his his life has changed in two years like you couldn't believe or three years I guess now that you couldldn't believe he was a Penn National could not win a race and he was probably he was second a couple times but he probably was never going to win a race yeah one of the funny things is that after he won the Maryland Hunt Cup their jockeys or number of jockeys that rode him in the flat including one guy who rode him at Timonium Racetrack that was a real genius training move on my part to run him at Timonium around half mile track. A couple seven, Ferris wheels. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. He's 17 hands. <laughs> so he unseated the jockey two or three times on the way to the start and finished, I don't know, probably way back in the field for $5,000 at Timonium. And uh, anyway, now they all watch him and uh, have all sent congratulatory notes when he won the $100,000 Maryland Hunt Cup. Yeah, it's fantastic to watch. Well, uh, uh, thanks for sharing the story of Senior Senator, and uh, best of luck at the Hunt Cup and uh, whatever else the future may hold. He's a fun horse and a kind of horse that the sport can latch on to and watch and and, uh, be a part of. So, again, thanks, and uh, we'll see you at the races. Thank you very much. That's it for this edition of Jumping Around. To subscribe to this podcast and learn a bit more about what we do, check out thisishorseracing.com. We'll see you at the races. 
Jumping Around is brought to you by ThisIsHorseRacing.com, an online source for original content about thoroughbred racing from the Steeplechase Circuit, Saratoga Racecourse, Fair Hill, and any place else horses race. Special thanks to Charlie Fenwick, WYPR Radio in Baltimore, and General Manager Tony Brandon. Jumping Around is produced by Bob White at WIPR. Thanks for tuning in.